This is Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada, the national occupational health and safety magazine published by Annex Business Media. You've tuned in to hear conversations with Canadian safety professionals on the latest in OHS trends and research. Hello and welcome to Safe Zone, OHS Canada's national podcast for health and safety professionals. I'm your host, Marcel Vanderweer, editor of OHS Canada. I'm joined in Toronto today by Emma Ashurst, a manager of inquiries and technical services with the Canadian Centre for Occupational Health and Safety in Hamilton, Ontario. Welcome, Emma, and thank you for joining me today. Hi, Marcel. Thanks very much for for having me and um, and the opportunity to share some information about mental health in this very surreal time that we're all in. Yes, I'm thankful that that you're able to join me today. Uh, We'll be chatting about mental health amidst the current COVID-19 pandemic that has affected so many facets of people's lives in Canada and across the world. As the pandemic continues, concerns about mental health are increasing, and I'm looking forward to hearing your perspective on how organizations can better protect their workforce during these unprecedented times. Emma, let's dive into the questions. What are the most common mental health issues that could affect workers as a result of a pandemic? Well, it's interesting because I'm I'm coming to this interview wearing a couple of hats. I'm a manager of a team, but I'm also a health and safety specialist. We should be looking at mental health in the workplace uh, to begin with. And um, employers should be taking an opportunity to look at the different workplace factors that can impact your mental health and, and talk about that. So largely due to the uncertainty about the pandemic of when's it going to end, when are we going to return back to normal? It's normal and natural for people to experience a negative mental health reaction and potential stress. And so if we link that back to these workplace factors, so the way that an organization is run, the way that uh, work is conducted can really have an impact on a normal day. So you can imagine in a scenario like this, if um, there's lack of clarity or lack of communication, that could indeed in increase potential stress levels. There's also potential for misunderstandings if we're largely communicating via chat and email. So potential uncivil behaviors and the withdrawal and, and a, an overwhelming fatigue, like an emotional fatigue, a physical fatigue. And it can it can all really take a toll on an individual. So the workplace, if we do have people either in the workplace active or they are waiting at home to potentially go back to work, there's a lot of uncertainty and and with uncertainty can can cause stress. Emma, are there common warning signs that health and safety professionals should be aware of when it comes to mental health issues? Yeah, um, and this again goes back to hopefully prior to all of this, there was um, a good sense of your team and and, and understanding your team because as you know, everybody is different and everyone reacts differently to different things. So um, regardless of the pandemic, knowing your team is important. So having that, that opportunity to build a culture of trust and support is, is really important. So in times like this, if I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling unsafe, I know I can safely go to my manager or my coworkers and say, you know, what, I'm not doing well. I need a break. I need to step away for a while and know that I'm not going to be reprimanded or I'm not going to be judged. So that culture of trust and support really does need to be in place beforehand. And and if it isn't there, then this is the time to start building it. And, and staff can feel that they can be vulnerable and, and share how they're feeling. 
I can share with you, we had an opportunity to chat with our president and, and we had a pretty candid chat and I was able to share, you know what, I'm, I'm getting a bit tired, I'm fatigued, it's a lot that's going on. And, and to know that that was a safe environment to do that makes all the difference in the world. It really is about creating a truly psychologically safe space. The other big thing to look for is changes in behavior. So if you have um, typically uh, chatty, bubbly, individuals and all of a sudden you see them withdrawing a little bit or vice versa then that might be something to make you pause and and, and check in and uh, see how they're doing and, and asking that really basic question of are you okay um you don't need to be a therapist you don't need to be a psychologist to ask these questions you can just check in and say how are you doing and hopefully that starts a conversation know that it might not know that they might not feel comfortable talking to you right away but if you say okay leave the door open for them i know in the beginning uh it was joked check on your extroverts and all your all the introverts will be fine and that was kind of the, the common little joke in the beginning and you know the wine dates and the zoom calls and all of that type of thing but as it's gone on it's different. It's, there's a, a really big difference between deciding to be quiet and recharge and knowing that you're an introvert and you recharge by going inward and being told that you have to. Like that, there's no choice. And that, that's a really big psychological difference. I had a chat with one of my team members yesterday, actually. And she, at the very beginning, I'm an, I'm an introvert. I'll be fine. And we've been preparing for this all the time, right? And we've all seen the little memes and quips and but, you know, she she did share. She's like, it's tough when you're being told to, when you're being forced to stay in. So these are some of the, the common warning signs, that I think, comes back to that change in behavior. And hopefully you're in a situation where people will overtly tell you. Um, if not, you, you've got to you've got to pay attention to some of these signs, which leads into the, um, the different creative ways you're going to have to keep in touch with your team. That sort of leads into my next question, which uh, is, is about remote workers. In your opinion, what are the best ways for safety personnel to protect their staff who may be working in a remote office? Well, I can tell you, we all had a pretty big shakeup. We literally went from all working in an office. Um, we've never had to officially work a day outside of the office from home to packing up and the reality of we're not allowed back in the building. And that was a big, a big shift for us culturally. The different ways that you can do it, you might have to get creative. Hopefully you have some technology that you're able to tap into, whether it be, um, I quickly referenced Zoom, there's you know Microsoft Teams or WebEx or all the different video or web meetings. Hearing somebody's voice is one thing, but if you can see their face, that's another. It's a touch point, it's a, a familiarity. And in situations like this where things are so up in the air and it's nice to have that bit of familiarity. And then to that point, having set meeting times and, um, and again, that predictability. So you've got a standing meeting every week, you know that you're going to meet with them. And those meetings don't always have to be about work. And, and again, I'll be honest, I meet with each of my staff members largely. The, the bulk of that half hour chat is about them. A little bit about me, about about what's been going on, how we've been coping, what we've been reading, watching, the news, whatever it might be. And then at the end, we kind of, how's work going, right? And because at this point, it's about the human connection. And that, that's what's important to, to help us keep going. Um, attempting to have full regular meetings is good as well. Again, that, that work connection. And um, they may still have a, a full plate and talking about it gives an opportunity to share what's been going on, 
to troubleshoot, to brainstorm, to share the challenges, what's been working, what hasn't. I know there is a lot of support amongst my team about helping them get set up remotely. Of course, now that we're all working from home, we may not all have ideal desk situations and proper setup. So ergonomics is an issue too. I know we're talking about mental health, but I don't know about you, but I know pains and aches can play tricks with your mind because it impacts your sleep and and whatnot. So checking in to see how people are sitting and and set up is important as well. Providing tips and and little ergo training about desk height and monitor setup. And if you are able to let equipment leave the building, such as chairs or keyboards or peripherals, then allow it. So that's something as well. And then finally, the other way to, to share information would be like creating little portals or, or intranet sites or an internal newsletter to share information. Again, different ergo resources or mental health resources can help. And the thing is, is that it's about understanding your team. It always comes back to knowing what your team needs. Is there, it's not a one size fits all. And again, it's the, the you really do need to know them and, and to get to know them. Uh, you're going to quickly learn how people work and uh, their respective learning styles. Um, I can tell you, I learned very, very quickly that I am a pop over to your desk and explain something to you rather than trying to write a long-winded email uh, with instructions. And uh, so you can imagine my stress levels at the beginning of all of this when I'm trying to tell them how to turn the audio on or turn the screen on or, you know, just that instructional piece. So luckily, we all got through it and uh, and everyone is nicely set up and working and everything. But certainly you learn a lot very quickly about people. And it's the time for a little bit of kindness and grace and all of it as well. Really great response, Emma. As you know, uh, not everyone is able to work from home or, or remotely. So that begs the question uh, about mental health protections for workers in an essential business or on the front lines of the pandemic. Can you share any advice for a safety, health and safety professional in that respect? Definitely. And it's something that we've been talking a lot about because people obviously have to be back at work and we've got to keep things going. And, and thank you to all of those people that are doing that and um, allowing people like me to, to work from, from my home and I think the, the the key bits here are, are following the guidance from our credible resources and our, our Public Health Agency of Canada and any of the jurisdictional guidance that's published, following the guidance for physical distancing, hand washing, sanitation, all of those uh, prescribed guidelines for disinfectant in, in the workplace, following all the requirements for reporting, creating a safe space to report that it's not punitive if you report that, you know, there's an exposure or anything like that. And then it's also the, you know, reviewing the way that you you work and the way that you do processes. And this might be actually a time to, that you find a, a better way of working or a different, more creative way to work. And then also reviewing personal protective equipment and uh, making sure that it's appropriate for the type of work that's being done. The bit that's underlying with all of this is the the psychological component and acknowledging and appreciating that a worker might feel nervous to come to work. And this is the time for that, hopefully the trust and support to come in and to provide that assurance and understanding that you could do everything from top to bottom, but the worker still might feel nervous. So you may need to, again, take a couple of runs at it. You may need to demonstrate the steps that you've taken. Um, and understand that there's going to be nerves when people come back to the office, whether they're already there right now or the ones that will be returning to the office in, you know, hopefully a shorter period of time than we think. 
Yeah, it sounds like giving a a safe physical environment will, will automatically lead to a, a safer mental health environment. Hopefully, yeah. And um, that demonstration, that transparency, that communication, like even letting people know, uh, again, flipping back to the people who are at home. So if you've had a big deep clean in your office, if you've had the carpets cleaned, let people know. Let people know the steps that you're taking when you're talking the front line, when you're talking essential businesses, communicate and demonstrate all the steps that you're taking to, to take the, the precautions, the reasonable precautions to protect them because it, uh, it is important. And there is a duty there for the employer to, to take care of their workers. Perfect segue into my next question, which goes back to, to those who may be working out of a home office. How much are employers actually responsible for in terms of the the employee's safety at home? Yeah, while it can be challenging, if they are working from home, it becomes an extension of their workplace. So it becomes part of that um, duty of care, making sure that they're taking all reasonable precaution to protect their health and safety. So it would be worthwhile to check in and and say, hey, how's your ergo setup? How's your... How's your lighting? How's your environment? And um, is there anything that you need to be supported? Giving them guidance on how to do that as well. We were actually looking at, and we've actually used it for one of our workers, um, a, a virtual ergo assessment. We have an ergonomist that we connect with, and she did um, an online virtual ergo setup for her her, t- her one of our workers, and, and that apparently went really well. So again, kind of thinking, a little bit outside the box, but um, but there is a responsibility there. The other thing is, is knowing that there is someone that they can reach out to. This all goes back to the communication piece and um, putting it out there of uh, if there's an, EA, uh, an employee assistance program, um, how do you access it? What to expect if you call it? Is there a manager that they could talk to? Is there a mental health champion in place? The health and safety committee, union representatives, trusted colleagues of their own that they might like see to buddy people up. It's encouraging people to stay connected through all of this, but the employer does have a responsibility to do that. But it is also important to remember the flip side that with everything, the employees also have a responsibility to participate in all of this. So they also need to share um, any ergo issues that they might have, and and hopefully that they feel comfortable coming forth and sharing some of the personal, like the potential personal mental health. You know, I'm having a workload issue, or I'm I'm a bit overwhelmed. That they feel comfortable sharing that, and then knowing as an individual what you need to do to recharge and that self care piece, and not just the the fuzzy stuff we talked about, but what does it what does it really mean to someone to recharge? Is it is it turning everything off for the night and is it the walking is it exercise whatever it might be painting journaling whatever that really looks like for them but having the workers take time for themselves is important so it it kind of all goes back to this idea that you want to create this this healthy work environment this mentally healthy workplace regardless of a pandemic because whether we're working from home or we're in the office you you want your team to feel comfortable coming to you about workload, coming to you about necessary accommodations, how they're feeling. So again, it, it, it's an opportunity. Hopefully at the end of all of this, we are all a bit closer because we're learning to, to work a lot differently with one another. And, and yeah, hopefully at the end of this, there's some good that comes from it. Sure. Emma, is there any part of the workforce that may be overlooked in this conversation? Yeah. And, um, and it, it's interesting because I, I feel a little bit like I, I don't want to be fishing for any sympathy right now, being a manager myself. But uh, often we do 
we do forget about the managers and the senior managers and the leaders in all of this and the workers are they're keeping us going but um we have to remember that managers and, and senior managers are our workers too and and they um, they face their own stresses and so it's important to try and give support to them as well um because it can be potentially um, lonely and isolating as well when that work group gets a bit smaller and they are making some pretty significant decisions um, that impact workers and um, it's a different type of stress but um, it really does highlight that we're all in it together it, it is important to, to create that supportive environment and again i wasn't fishing for any type of pity party but i will say that uh, it is important that that we remember that we're all in it together and this isn't just a normal working from home situation this is working from home in and among something that is absolutely unprecedented and we might have family members friends neighbors that are these essential workers our frontline workers and they're going through it in a completely different way and so you're at work and you're doing your job but you're also surrounded by your your loved ones that are also going through it as well so it's a lot and um, and that kindness and empathy and, and grace goes a long way. And hopefully that, again, there is good that comes from all of this and we all continue to support and, and keep moving forward with it. Awesome. Just a couple more questions for you, Emma. You mentioned the, the re eventual return to, to the office, hopefully, and what tips would you give uh, an OHS professional for preparing workers for this eventual return? Can you offer anything on that? Again, going back to the, it's almost like the same advice for the um, protecting the essential workers and the frontline workers. It's following the guidance from jurisdictions. So we're slowly starting to see that be published. Um, Saskatchewan has some guidance. New Brunswick has started to issue theirs. Um, Ontario revealed what their approach they're going to be following. And I believe the federal, I think we're slotted out for today or tomorrow. He was uh, just uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was going to release that. So it's important to follow that that jurisdictional guidance as well. Anticipate a phased approach and anticipate that it's not going to be an all or nothing. And reviewing the way that we work is important as well. The, and the some even just the basic occupational program requirements, if you've made changes and you want to look at those. One key bit is to engage many stakeholders using your health and safety committee, union representatives, your managers, and um, make sure to communicate to the staff the plan of what to anticipate um, and try and give as much notice as possible. For, for us, we're kind of following an office return to work loosely on what's happening with the schools. That seems to be kind of where we're looking to at the moment. So at least we know mentally we're going to be likely doing this for a little bit longer, which does give a little bit of comfort and a little bit of stability, so to speak. But um, trying to remain current with the public health guidance and knowing that it keeps changing, which can be challenging. So again, and even that communication piece to let people know that things could change and we're doing our best as well. At the end of all of this, this is the time for empathy and kindness and grace and really trying to foster a positive environment that we all work together and not judging people on their behaviors, but more about their intentions of how they're acting and, and, and having a little bit of understanding about why people might be acting the way that they are. Emma, I have one final question. While COVID-19 may be turning the spotlight onto mental health, how should leaders be approaching this regardless of the pandemic? So if we were starting from scratch, 
it would be just as you would with a, any type of health and safety initiative. You're going to you're going to do your risk assessment and you're going to do um, a review of the way that things are done. So the first step in recognizing all of this is really that is recognizing that the workplace has a, a really important role in 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 our mental health positively and negatively. And by creating a safe environment, not just physically, but also psychologically, then that worker feels protected and supported, which in turn is um, helpful for positive mental health. And um, the official definition of a psychologically safe and healthy workplace, it promotes workers' mental health and well-being, and it does not harm employee mental health through negligent or reckless or intentional ways. Um, so again, you're trying to alleviate any reason really for stress and, and really you would do that at an organizational level. So how do we work? How do we conduct our work? How do we schedule work? How do we treat one another? And so it comes back to this idea of these um, psychosocial risk factors that have been identified and um, they're referenced in the CSA standard for psychological health and safety. And, um, and then we would link that through the organization. And you would do that again through um, usually like employee perception surveys or through employee data, usage data, reports of um, mental health concerns. And then you can identify these factors to address in the workplace and then looking at a, an action plan to address them. So would it be training? Would it be changes to processes, communication strategies? At the end of it, it's the way that the work is carried out and the context in which the work occurs can have a significant impact on employees' mental health, positive or negative. Uh, when employees have a negative exposure to these factors, there's potential for development of stress, uh, demoralization, depressed mood, anxiety, or burnout. And so organizations really do need to consider all of these in their efforts to create a mentally healthy workplace. Excellent. Excellent wrap-up. Emma, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise on this topic. I hope that it benefits those struggling in this area through COVID-19. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning into Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada. To hear more of our episodes or to find the latest workplace safety headlines from across the country, visit ohscanada.com.